0: Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. Edward Jones Financial Advisors Todd Nash in Coralville, Travis Whitmore in North Liberty, and Jeff Rudolph, Kelly Barta, Adela Hunter, and Scott McGill in Iowa City understand this. For all of your investment needs, visit edwardjones.com or call and stop by an office. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. This is Rob Howe, happy to be joined again by Mike Humple from Humple Chiropractic in North Liberty, Iowa. This is our backer to cracker uh, tip of the week. And if you don't get that, Mike was a linebacker and now he's a cracker. Get it? Ha-ha. Thanks for joining us again, Mike. What is your chiropractic tip of the week for our listeners?
1: Yeah, thanks, Rob. But just want to uh, explain a little bit of who might benefit from chiropractic. A lot of times people think, I don't have back pain. I don't need to see a chiropractor. But there, there are many people that can benefit from chiropractic care, which is the number one most widely used alternative medicine in the world. Uh, but first and foremost, those looking for pain relief. So uh, neck pain, back pain, headaches are the most common conditions we see. Uh, people even had personal injury, auto accidents, those types of things. Also see chiropractors um, for assistance. People looking for improved performance. So athletes, uh, students uh, maybe have trouble paying attention at school all day because, you know, they're uncomfortable in their in their desks or in their chairs. Um, employers looking for employee wellness type programs or wanting to improve their employees' health overall so they can boost their performance uh, for their business or small business. Also, individuals just interested in whole body wellness. It doesn't have to be, uh, I'm in pain, I'm hurting, I need to see a a chiropractor or doctor. It can be, hey, I want to improve my overall wellness so that way I don't fall into the pain cycle and start having problems. Um, And then lastly, another another uh, large demographic we see is the the aging or elderly population just to help them consistently perform their daily activities doing the laundry going up and down the stairs getting up and down from the seated position um, you know so it's maintaining that functional movement and that strength so that way they can continue doing the things they like to do throughout their their lifespan
0: that sounds like it covers a lot of the population mike and people are interested in in seeking out more information and possibly connecting with you as as a patient, we encourage them to visit HumpleCairo.com. The phone number there is 319-325-3558. And the address is 1295 Jordan Street, Suite 6B in North Liberty, Iowa, 52317. Thanks, Rob. Welcome back to the Your Prep Sports Seven Nation podcast. I am one of your hosts. I guess I'm a co host, Rob Howe. I'm joined today, as always, by YPS publisher Ryan Merkin. You get a chance to exhale it all now, Ryan? Things are kind of winding down for the fall.
2: Yeah, it's, um, we're down, fall wise, we're down to j- just swimming and football. Um, we got West High and City High. Swimmers, I was at regional swimming on Saturday. Uh, really good day for for our area kids. For and I should say, you know, there's Liberty kids that swim um, for for West High. Um, officially, it's it's West High. That's the way you know the state recognizes it. It's West High swimming. Obviously, there's Liberty kid. They they co-op. Um, right. So Liberty kids swim swim for West, but good day for them. And then Regina's at the Uni Dome. so we're down to just you know. A handful of sport or you know a handful of fall sports and girls basketball practice starts today so um I get a little bit of a of a break if you will Rob a, a <laughs> tiny bit of stretch where we're not quite so busy uh and then we start looking at winter sports so when does the basketball you know, season start um I think and I have full disclosure I haven't typed in my my schedule grid yet. Like I normally do. That's something that's on the schedule for this week, but Slacker. usually, usually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> usually for our area teams, um, cause everybody kind of keeps the same type of schedule. It's that, it's the Saturday after Thanksgiving Gotcha. Um, for the past four or five years is the earliest we've had teams play. Uh, so, and that's kind of about when most people start, I think the first competition, I think you actually can play, that Monday or Tuesday, if the state calendar hasn't changed before Thanksgiving, that's the first week of competition. Uh, most of our area teams have gone, or se- several of our area teams have gone, the two or the excuse me, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, and then it's kind of like that next Tuesday is like the full, you know, where everybody has a game less. So
0: it's it's coming up.
2: It'll be here before we know
0: it. Yeah, everything's moving fast. Um, so let's talk. About how we got here, how we got to Regina yeah. football and swimming, um, being who's left for the fall sports. Uh, this conversation will obviously uh, frame how we ended up here. Let's start with uh, let's start with Solen football, Ryan. That was a game you Good. were at uh, up at Walkon uh, Walkon. Uh, Emerge victorious, twenty-four to eight, in the Class Two A quarterfinal. Solon finishes the season seven and three. Walkon makes its fourth straight trip to the dome. Solon, uh, st- you know, stopped a step short of getting back there. Um, talk about the game, just overall. What, what, what did you, what did you see up there?
2: Right, it, it played out almost exactly the way that we talked on this you know, or on the preview pod last week. And it was kind of – it was – you know, I've mentioned it several times with Solon, and, and as we looked at Wakhan on paper, it was really the same thing where it's kind of one of those don't overanalyze this, right? Mm-hmm. These teams want to run it. They want to play good defense. And, and I know everybody wants to do that, but that's really what they hung their hat on. And then I think you brought it up as we previewed that game. You know, Wakhan's second or third in, their, in 2A in sacks um they've, they're good up front and, and I met I saw them last year you know in the semifinals and the final and was impressed by them on up front on both sides of the ball and you I think you pointed it out you're like you know they want to get ahead of you and then kind of pin their ears back a little bit and and that's exactly what happened um they 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 really got after Solon up front and I think that was my biggest concern if you ask me look Solon was very good up front this year I mean you don't rush for 250 yards a game or whatever they were doing, you know, without being good up front. But that was my biggest concern, I think, was, was just how good Wakan was on, on both lines. They really got after it. And then, you know, they got uh, – there was a couple plays in that game that were really key. Um, Solon had the best drive of the game on its second possession and got a couple, couple uh, first downs and had it, I think, first and 10 at the 30. And ended up fizzling out a little bit and, and threw an interception on fourth down, which was, you know, as, as good of a punt, as good as a punt, basically. In fact, maybe better than a punt. Uh, took a chance on fourth down. Wakan got it at the nine. Had a, had a penalty. I think it was procedure. It might have been a hold, but uh, half the distance to the goal penalty. So they've got it at the four. They run it. They've got second down at like the eight or nine. And their senior quarterback was a really good, really good athlete, super good athlete, really good player. And they've got the wind. Um, and the win was a factor in that game. Um, and they had him. I don't know if it would have been a safety. It was on the end away from me. But they, you know, they had a shot at him. He makes a really athletic play and just kind of wings one down the field. And, I mean, I was sitting next to K.J. Pilcher from the Gazette, and we commented several teams or several times. This, their quarterback, he's just got a little bit of, you know, cowboy in him, and he just slings mm-hmm. it. And he threw a laser that ended up being a 40-yard pass. Um, you know, just made a super athletic play to escape what, what looked like it's going to be a third and, you know, third and 20 turns it into a first down at midfield. And then two plays later, they have a, their back is really, really good. Um, 200 pound kid, just really well put together and stiff armed a guy and went for a touchdown that had him up early. Um, they added another touchdown, uh, I think on the next drive actually, and then blocked a punt out of the end zone. So they're up 16, zero. And it's exactly what me and you talked about. It's, like, now the whole second half, I mean, their D-line is just, is just going at it. Solon's a team, you know, as we mentioned again, you know, they're not really built to come from behind. Um, but the big thing was Solon had the wind the whole third quarter and started, started three straight drives in Wakon. Like, the Solon defense was great. I mean, they were great. They gave up, I think, uh, 250 yards in that game um something something like that they just couldn't do anything against their defense um they started drives at like the I, I had this in my story but um started drives at like the 30 after a three and out and a short punt into the wind um and then again at like the 45 after another three and out and punt and then um got a turnover got an interception started at like the 22 you know down 16-0 they went to just Jackson Ryan in the Wildcat. Um, just I, I thought it was a really good coaching move by Solon where they didn't get even down 16-0 at that point, they didn't get away from what they wanted to be. They kind of said, look, they want to pin their ears back, they want to come at us quarterback wise. Let's just go, you know, 10 blockers, Wildcat, and just see what we can do. Um, and they they just kind of they went for like if we're gonna score, we're gonna have to get it's gonna have to be like four or five yards at a time. Um, they got a couple first down, they had first and goal inside the 10, obviously, but they had first and goal, at like the seven or eight and creed Welch, to the, the quarterback for walk in safety, just got his hand on on a ball, ripped it out and recovered it kind of in one motion. Just one of those like incredible plays at like the two and stopped that drive. So it's going to be like second and goal at the two. And, um, and that was just that play and, and the play he made on the long pass early to set up their first touchdown, but it was almost exactly what we, what we talked about and it played out that way you get behind against a team like that. Um, and then they end up, you know, walk ends up with three sacks Solon eventually has to get away from the run a little bit late. And I think they only ran it for, they, I wrote it down. They ran it for 64 yards, you know, season low 1.9 per carry. They had 112 total yards and, you know, 2.3 yards of play. And I I'm not even really being critical of Solon's offense. Um, I was just that impressed by walk on defense. Rob, I mean, their defensive line is really good. Uh, they're physical, they're big, and then their linebackers, um, which is the same guy, the, the O'Neal kid that plays running back for them and, and two other kids. I mean, for a 2A team, I mean, Solon has had great linebackers and all three of them, Lucas T. Paul Colton Hoffman, Carson Shive, had great games um, on Friday. And, and Wakon's linebackers were every bit the equal of them. I mean, they just really run. You know, I mean, they they did a good job of taking away Colton Hoffman in the passing game. Uh, good speed matched with that defensive line, and it was a um, it was a good game. That was it was a it was a fun game to watch. It was kind of a sloppy game in a way. It was two really good defenses. You know, I think both teams turned it over three times. It was kind of an odd game, but it was exactly what you thought it was going to be. It was two really physical teams, and in just was a little bit better in those. Very, I, can't like, I was really impressed with them. I mean, they really get after it on defense. And I, I didn't use this quote in my story, and their, their coach had a gr- great quote um, that I thought, you know, was high praise for Solon, but also kind of tells you where they've come. He's like, you know, if you would have said, you know, 10, 15 years ago, whatever it was, when Solon was in the middle of, of winning all their championships, um, that Wakan was going to host Solon in a quarterfinal to go to the Unidome, people would have laughed at you. And I just thought it was really good. You know, he, he had a lot of respect for Solon and their program, but Wakan is. They really have it going up there, you know, with what they've been able to do the last four years with the championship uh, in in what 2017, and then semifinal, semifinal appearance, runner up last year, and they're impressive. I'll be that I'll, I'll be watching them, you know, throughout the two A playoffs to see how they stack up against some of these other teams, um, PCM and, and some of the other teams, you know, George Little Rock. I think there's really good teams out there, but it's a good game, Rob. It was um, two two teams that wanted to do the same things, that just kind of wanted to impose their will on one another. So it was interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I remember watching walk-on Parker Hesse's senior year. They lost, I think, to Carol Kemper on a last-second field goal. But that that was a really good game, I remember. And they've had it going for a while. So yeah. from Solon's perspective, Ryan, um, what does 2021 look like?
2: Well, I mean, before you even look at that – I. You know, Lucas Stanton, first year, and he had a, he had a quote to me that he, you know, before I even asked about their seniors or whatever, and he just kind of said, you know, we started out zero two, and our seniors just kind, and, and that hasn't happened for I don't know how long. I was never, I I went back and looked and couldn't even find it, but um, he's like, you know, our seniors just kind of hunkered down and said we're going to go on a run, and they did. You know, they won seven straight games, so they lose a lot. Um, of, of those guys, of those seniors, a really good senior class, Um, you know, a thousand yard running back in Jackson Ryan and those three linebackers that I mentioned and some really good guys up front. But I, I think they have the benefit now of having this coaching staff in place for a year, obviously. And I think coach Santon did a really good job uh, this year. Like I said, of getting those guys together, the light bulb kind of went on, they figured out what they were. and, And, you know, they, I think they, I don't know that, early on this is exactly what they thought they would be to be honest with you as far as um, obviously play good defense and they knew they had some guys on that side of the ball but I think they just kind of owned in on what they thought they could be and stuck with it but you bring back a, a quarterback now that's played an entire season as a sophomore Blake Timmons and he played really well at times um, had a tough game on on Friday but I, like, I, don't, I don't really put that on him or I don't put it on anyone I mean there's, if you go look at stats, there's, there's a lot of people that have had tough games against that defense. Um, and like I said, the wind was a factor, and and that kind of allows you even more at certain times as a defensive line to, to pin your ears back. But um, they bring back him, and then they bring back a couple of really good pieces up front, too. Um, and Caden Knipper and Gage Marty on the offensive line are both uh, really good players um, that, that you can build. I mean, those those guys are really they're – they're – they're that high school type of offensive lineman that you that that I think you can do a lot of things with. they where they're both probably two twenty, uh, but they both move really really well. Um, so I, you have two guys up there that have now played you know full season on the line, and they'll be fine. I mean, it's stolen. You know they'll they'll plug in some they'll plug in some pieces. But I think the big thing for them is having that continuity on the coaching staff coming back and all the way down they, they've kept a lot of the same guys that were there with kevin miller that work with their younger kids you know that work with the freshmen and sophomore teams and that's what these programs like them and regina and all these team, all these programs i don't know a program like Wakan as well outside of our area but that's what all these successful programs have done you know west high with coach hartwick all the way down they, they keep these same guys that are working with those younger kids and and they develop a program it sounds cliche you know you talk about it but by the time those kids come up into the varsity program they know what to do they got to get adjusted to the speed of the game a little bit and things like that but they've kept a lot of those guys together so I'm sure they're not going to come out next year and you know be okay with with being okay you know I mean they're going to come out next year and plan to be right back in the same spot this year and I mean a good thing to point out is when you look at what they lost from last year you know and we weren't podcasting at the very start of the year it's a preview of the year but you know I had my questions uh, I mean, you know, you basically lose all your offensive production from a, state runner-up team. I mean, three-year starter, quarterback, and you, your running backs, and all your receivers, and several linemen, and you lost almost all that stuff. Um, and here and you are, a, you know. And a coaching change. Absolutely. You know, and a coach that's one, you know, that's one of the best to, to ever do it in that, you know, at that place, and been there for a long time, and all that stuff. And, and they're seven and three, and, you know, a game away from the Unidome. So, I'm sure, you know, the expectations are going to be the same. And, and, again, you have some really good pieces to start with. They're one of those teams that you're not going to be blown away when I get the preseason sheet next year. It's not going to be, oh, man, you know, we returned 15 starters. Because they had a lot of upperclassmen that played, you know, that were good players for them. But they have a lot of guys that you, that, that you saw things from throughout this year that they worked in. Carson Miller, receiver, had a good year as the season went on. And he was one of those guys that was um, – you know, taking reps at quarterback in the preseason. So he became, uh, you know, a good threat for them at receiver. Um, and, and there's – I mean, there's more, guy, more guys like that. Uh, Parker Penico has played safety for him. He had two interceptions on Friday. He's a junior. So they bring a lot of those guys back that have, that have now played a full season that, that can do some good things. So I, I it'll be exciting to see what they look like next year um, with a year under this coaching staff spell. And I, I mean – Maybe they'll come out and they'll run the same type of stuff, Rob. I don't think they're going to change drastically. But just to kind of see if they evolve a little bit on both sides of the ball with a year and out with that coaching staff.
0: Yeah, I would expect Solon to be just fine like they are every year, and they just kind of rebuild and uh, or reload rather than rebuild. Another team that's had a lot of success of late, Ryan, that saw its season come to a disappointing end on Friday night, Iowa City West High. Over at Pleasant Valley, Iowa City West lost its first game of the season to unbeaten Pleasant Valley 38-24 in the Class 4A quarterfinals. Um, That sets up Southeast Polk versus the Lone uh, team from the eastern side of the state, Pleasant Valley in the semifinals, and then Ankeny against Dowling. Pretty loaded Final Four in Class 4A. Nothing for West High to be ashamed of. Great season. but also a team that's going to have a lot to, a, a lot to replace.
1: Yeah. I'm,
2: I mean, had tip to Pleasant Valley, right? Like I'll admit it. Like I thought, I thought West would win that game. Um, and that's to say, we, we talked about it on here. That's not to say that I didn't think Pleasant Valley was good. I mean, we talked about it a lot. You, you're preparing for that offense. Uh, it's difficult to, to prepare for, but I've seen them before when they're pretty good and, and they're a really well-coached team. You know, coaching staff's been there for a long time, but um, you know, Coach Hartwig talked when I was over there last week about the quarterback, and that's where it starts with them. You, you say that obviously, but I told you this last week. When, they're, when they have a quarterback that can run that offense, it, it, it's a difference maker um, for them in decision-making and everything. And if you would have told me before the game, I did. I thought, I thought West High would win that game. Um, I didn't think it would be lopsided. I didn't think Pleasant Valley was not good. I didn't think they were a mirage at nine and0. I just thought West would win. I thought they had enough on both sides of the ball. If you would have told me before the game that Pleasant Valley was five for five passing for 186 yards, if that's the only stat you told me, I would have said that's trouble I mean that's trouble. Oh yeah. you know we, I mean a- any triple option team we talked about the, the, the comparisons to the college teams. You, know, you have one of those teams that does that they're going to take I don't even know if I'd call them shots, you know, but they're going to see the times that, that that they feel like they've set it up, right, and that they've well, got you, you kind of caught.
0: The decision-making. When you yes. make a decision to say, okay, we've got this.
2: Yep. And, you know, they had a 67-yard screen pass on a third and 13, and that's one of those ones that's like, hey, you know, you get an option team in third and 13 and they're going to throw it, you know, and, yeah. and it's not even – it's not just a completion. And then the big thing was in the first half, Rob – they had a 24-21 lead, um, and West was kind of playing catch-up, which we talk about all these teams that aren't built to do that. They they can do that. In fact, some ways, sometimes you see them. They're one of those teams, and you see this a lot in college. It's the end of the half, or that's it's that two-minute drill, and you see the team do it, and you're like, man, why, why don't they do that all the time? They're so incredible <laughs> in that scenario. That's kind of the way West High can be sometimes offensively because of the and quarterback they have. But
0: Pleasant Valley in the first half – That was the first game West was playing catch up this season, though, wasn't it?
2: It was. It was. Um,
0: So, but different. You know, it's just a different feel.
2: It is, and it takes. I mean, I know people say this, but it kind of takes something out of you mentally, too. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Pleasant Valley got on them early, and they were kind of playing from behind. But five for five for one eighty six passing Barrett Lindmark, but four for four for one seventy two in the first half, and that's kind of how they got that lead. And then, and I didn't watch the game, and I'm not saying they wore west out but you get that lead and then you just and then you can play with and that's exactly what they want is to play with a, any team that has that to play with the lead um and i know that they did have a really long time-consuming drive in the third quarter uh pleasant valley that they got a touchdown on and i mean that's if you're gonna script if you're gonna script it for pleasant valley i'll say that that's exactly what you script right mm-hmm. we, we get ahead we hit on every pass play that we attempt their passes in the first half were like I said, 67 yards, 35, 53, and 17. So it, it was probably a 99 out of 100% on them if they graded themselves on those passes. Like when they called those plays, hey, what's the best possible thing that happens here? Yeah. You know, 67, 35, 53. And another one of those was on third down, too, I know. Um, but, and then they rushed for 245 yards, which again, if you tell me before the game they're going to get 245 rushing, I would have said, that's West is probably in pretty good shape because mm-hmm. you just can't give up you know three three plus to them. I mean two forty five is a lot of rushing yards, but for a team that you know doesn't pass it basically or passes it six seven times a game, like you'll take that. Well, you know they were obviously super and, and credit them. That's yeah. my point. It's oh, kind of sure. credit them. I'm not taking anything anything away from Pleasant Valley or saying West didn't do. You know I'm sure their coaching staff would say they could have been better against that. Obviously, but credit where it's due. You know I mean that's that's the way that I'm sure they would have imagined it going when they, when they drew it up, kind of as, as far as if they had to have success. But you look at that game, that's the first thing that, that draws your attention is, um, you know, their ability to, to have success in the past game.
0: Yeah, and, and you, know, you know, the home field doesn't mean as much as it has in the past because of, you know, crowds being limited and people wearing masks, you hope. <laughs> and all, all those things, but uh, you know, West hadn't been on the road in a while and uh, playing from behind. And like you said, give Pleasant Valley credit, Pleasant Valley needed to. Pleasant Valley is one of those teams, whether it's like Navy or you know, a team that yeah. needs to play its tempo and its style. If if West is the team that's up by two touchdowns in that game early then maybe those pass plays don't work. Maybe, you know, the, you know, the run game isn't as effective. But like you said, if you, if you draw out a blueprint for what Pleasant Valley wanted yes. to do on Friday night against West High, it seems like they were able to uh, draw up the perfect plan.
2: You're exactly right, and it's exactly right. And you can say the same thing. It's like this game, I feel like in a very different way, with number of points and all these other things in a very different way. It's like, you know, Wakan it's the Wakan Solon game where I'm sure their coaches are going to say, Hey, we turned it over a few too many times, blah, blah, blah. But if they, if they drew up a blueprint, it was basically like, get an early lead, you know, be up, you know, for, be up a couple of touchdowns at half, be up two scores at half, and then just let our defense do its thing. Where Pleasant Valley is like, you know, we can dictate the way we want to play. We can stick to our plan. We can be on schedule if we can be ahead for most of this game. I mean, even though it's you know, it's 24, 21 West gets a score before half. It's not like it was, you know, you're playing with a two touchdown lead, but at the same time, you can be right on schedule with your offense. When you run, a, when you want to get four yards, five yards of carry, and they were able to do that. And then they, you know, everything's on the table for them. Then, you know, when they're playing with the lead and you mentioned it, West has a lot to replace. Um, they do. I mean, you don't, you It's not just Marcus Morgan. We've talked about Marcus so much. Uh, Great player, great kid. But their receivers were really good. Graham Goring had another great game. He had had an incredible season. Um, Ten-plus touchdown catches. He threw a touchdown in this game to Marcus Morgan. He ran for a touchdown. He had two picks last week. He returned a kick for a touchdown this year. Just had a great senior year. Um, and then other guys around too, obviously, uh, Trey King had another good game. He stepped in and had a really good year, uh, et cetera. But it's just – I've learned with them – they bring some guys back too. Do not get me wrong. They have some good linemen uh, that are juniors. They have some good defensive players that are under – or that are, that are juniors that will be back. Um, I've just learned with them you don't – you don't say they're not going to be – I mean, I, it's like that staff has just kind of gotten to that point – of course, we say it about Regina and we say it about Solon. It's much harder to do it at the four A level. Um, I'm not taking anything away from those programs, but it's really hard to do that at the four A at the four A level. Um, there's there's a lot of good programs, um, but in my mind, they've kind of several years ago actually, they've kind of surpassed that. Where I worry about how they're going to be. They they could be up, they could be down. Like that stuff's going to happen, but. They're good enough and they're good enough in the off season with their strength and conditioning that um they're i they're going to be the way that they are if that makes sense um they got to replace a quarterback which is which is really key in high school in high school football. you know that um, they got to replace a quarterback which is which I'm sure though'll will be priority one for them you know as they go into the off season is getting somebody that's comfortable in that spot but um a great season for them that we've talked about it, but I don't know i and you can throw city and Liberty into this too. I don't know if you can talk about um, enough what I think West was able to do with, with the situation they had this year. I mean, yeah. I've talk, we've talked about it in cross country and um, volleyball and, you know, even swimming. I talked to several of the West High swimmers this weekend about it. But you can do stuff in those sports a little bit, you know, on your own. And West did stuff on its own for football. But man, you've seen it at college this level—the timing, all those things. You know, with the Big Ten coming back, you've seen what some of these teams have looked like. You know, with just less practice, and they didn't have an interruption where they couldn't be with their coaches for for three weeks. You know, so for West to do what it did this year with the hand it was dealt—I mean, really, like standing ovation to them. Because um, I think I just think there's a lot of teams that that would have been an excuse to come back from that and and not be at your best and. I mean, I don't know if they played their best. I'm sure they would say they didn't play their best on Friday, but to come back and advance this far and not lose a game, I mean, that's, in my mind, that's pretty incredible. I think they deserve – I think those kids, especially, because there's some leaders on that team that had to step up during that stretch and maybe have some conversations with your peers during that time that weren't easy about, you know, getting there and doing things the right way. And I, I was really impressed with how they, how they came out of that and in, in, in played this year. That's – I mean, again – just tip of the hat to them. I think that says a lot about their program and, and what the coaches have done um, with sending those kids up to be leaders, you know, for their lives too. So very impressed by what they were able to do this year.
0: Agree. And we'll see what happens with Marcus Morgan's recruitment. I saw he got offered by Sandy or uh, San Diego state, South Dakota state last night. Um, he's got other offers on the table. We've talked about the possibility of him playing baseball um, so, yeah, we'll kind of see how his recruitment plays out. I think as somebody who follows recruiting, I think he's being under-recruited. But it's just a wonky year with the dead period that started in March and now goes through the end of December. He can't take visits. Coaches can't meet face-to-face with him. It's I feel really bad for the kids that are in this position. And, right. you know, they won't, you know – cry or whine about it but it's a tough spot for recruits right now and for colleges trying to find kids to come into their programs
2: he i i don't know what marcus wants to do he's going to be successful whatever he does Mm -hmm. he could go run track or he could go play basketball which are not the two things that (laughs) that people think he's going to do he could go do those two things at an extremely high level and be really successful that's just the type of athlete he is but I mentioned this when we talked about him before as far as where he ranked in the best players in the state. He's a winner. I mean, he's a leader and he's a winner, and you take kids like that on your team. Somebody's going to get a, a great kid and a great addition to their program. I, I played college baseball. Not that that means anything, but he's, he's such a talented baseball player. I mean, the way the ball comes out of his hand, this is, this is probably a terrible comparison, but when I was younger – the one I always think of when I think of the ball coming out of somebody's hand is you remember Josh Beckett that played yeah. for the Marlins and just the way the ball came out of his hand, it, it was just like it exploded out of his hand and he didn't throw harder than everyone else, but it was just like that instant, the ball came out of his hand. That's what Marcus reminds me of like the way the ball comes out of his hand and they, you know, his baseball coaches have talked about the spin rate that people have measured. And that's when you have somebody like that, that's what allows you to have that really sharp breaking ball that he has. It's just when that the ball just explodes out of your hand. Um, he's such a good baseball player. I, I I'm a baseball guy. I really like watching him play baseball. Um, but just, I, you just watch him play football in the way he commands everything on the football field. Uh, mm-hmm. And you said his, his football recruiting has been, I think goofy because of um, for lack of a better term, because of just, you know, COVID, and what he would have done this summer versus what he, you know, what he was actually able to, but I just, I don't do, I have not covered recruiting the way you have. And I haven't, I, I, you know, full disclosure, like I don't watch football outside of the state of Iowa, really. Like I watch some highlight videos of kids every once in a while, you know, if I see something of recruits and stuff, but I mean, if he's not a, if he's not a power five quarterback, um, then I haven't, I don't know the last time I saw one in a high school game. I mean, and I, I know what his offers are and everything, but man, I mean, I don't know what he can't do as a quarterback that you, you know, he's got, he's got good size, yeah. speed, athleticism. His arm is incredible. His arm talent is incredible. And, and I mean, again, I don't, I'm not just saying this. I know everybody always throws this disclaimer out. Oh, I'm not a GM or I'm not a coach or whatever. I, I never played organized football a day in my life from, um, I certainly cannot <laughs> coach quarterbacks or anything like that. Full disclosure, like, but, I mean, I've just watched enough to know and then seen kids that had success at the next level. I mean, man, he was incredible this year and has play, is playing at such a high level football-wise. It'll be fun to see what he does. And like I said, whatever he does, he's going to be extremely successful. That I have no, you know, there's no question about that.
0: Yeah, his mother, Chris, will make sure that um, <laughs> <laughs> she, she, uh, she keeps him in line. And my, I have my youngest daughter. Had her as a, a teacher at Longfellow High or Longfellow Elementary School. But yeah, well, I'm sure Marcus is gonna. I, just from somebody who covers recruiting, I, I, he'll get once his senior tape gets out. You know, there haven't been any people. Probably, you know, it's been so crazy even for colleges. He'll be fine. He'll get more offers coming in. Um, let's skip over to. The east side of Iowa City, Ryan, and talk about a game I was at Friday. Uh, Regina going back to the dome, second year yep. in a row. Uh, really had it. Really had it earned it. Earned its victory Friday night against Wapsie Valley, a very talented. I was. In, I was tip of the cap to Wapsie Valley. That yeah. was a team that really, really I think had Regina on its heels for a lot of that game, was particularly with its rushing attack, um, just kept attacking, attacking Regina on the edge. And, um, eventually Regina got some stops, got its offense going, you know, was able to kind of recover, um, in that second half, but man, it was not easy.
2: And we, uh, I'm I'm interested to hear a little bit more of what you think after watching it, because we watched, um, you know, I watched the video of it uh, that we had on Your Prep Sports um, and the rapid replay, and uh, we mentioned early in the – we mentioned on the preview that, you know, they had good balance on offense. You know, they had a 1,200-yard rusher and a quarterback with good stats, 25 touchdowns, I think, and two picks. And it seemed like that was something that gave Regina some tr- – much like Regina has done to teams all year, mm-hmm. but it was just they, they had more – um they were more balanced, I think, than – or we thought they were more balanced than, than most of the teams that Regina had played. Um, and it seemed like that was something that they were able to keep them off balance with just enough, Rob, to have some success on offense.
0: Yeah, early touchdown pass from the Wapsie Valley quarterback was just a beautiful throw in the corner of the end zone. Um, and then, like I said, 24, the running back was just – he seemed to know when to cut it up inside or take it to the outside. And I thought Wapsie Valley did for the first probably two to th- somewhere in the middle of the third quarter, did a really nice job stopping Regina's run game or at least slowing it down enough. They, they seemed like they were kind of took the path and not 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 surprising, you know, take Theo Coley away and try to make Regina beat him with the pass and then put two guys on Wick and see what right. happens. Right. And, and to Regina's credit, Quinlan had a couple of really nice catches in that second half, and I thought that was kind of, okay, we're going to take, take Wick and Coley away and see if somebody else can beat us. And then Quinlan, particularly late, I think the last touchdown, he had a one-handed catch on the sideline that I thought was just one of those plays that kind of gets a team going.
2: Well, we mentioned, we mentioned it you know kind of jokingly throughout as Regina was just cruising, and now they've gotten into some some tighter games. But it really is one of those things where you, you have to decide what you're going to do because and it'll be interesting to see you know if they play two more games, hopefully, to see what those because now you know now Saint Ansgar, who they play next round, and, and you know whoever would be if they would win that whoever would be the winner of the Grundy Center-Council Bluff-St. Albert game, then there's just more tape and more <laughs> opportunity to see what these guys tried. And then that maybe makes you think of what you could try and play off of that, which obviously Regina's doing the same thing. But with them, with Regina's offense, I mean, it's interesting that you say that because you, you throw in – you know also what I wanted to mention is I call I've, – I've been telling you this for a while. Ashton Cook can be a threat in the run game you know, I was actually writing this for my rewind this week. He had 74 yards, which is easily his, his season high. I think he had 150 coming in, you know, he rushed for over 300 yards last year and you saw um, in some of the games, their bigger games last year uh, when I was up at Dyke new Hartford, they tried to get him involved in the running game a little bit more uh, early on in that game and had some success that threw them off a little bit or on a couple of the drives when Regina was moving the ball. Well, so you have that element that Regina hadn't thrown in, and then, like you said, they have enough other playmakers—guys that we probably should have been talking about more all year. But Quin- Levi Quinlan and some of these other guys—that they have guys Theo Coley in the passing game. There's so many things in this chess match that that you decide what are you going to take away, and you know I think you're going to see teams start with what you said, trying to take away the run game, uh, with the run game with Theo Coley, and then trying to take away Alec Wick, and then that just you know. That's going to open up things for um, Ashton Cook to, to run more, to throw more to other guys, et cetera. So, again,
0: and it took, give it credit was, to Watson Valley, took but Regina, give credit
2: to Regina, too.
0: It took Regina a little bit to – because if you, you, you're thinking to yourself, you know, as a play caller, Ed Hinkle, well, I'm going to keep going to the guys that got me here. But right. If another team is hell-bent on taking them away, it, it, was, I, it was nice to see Regina's coaches kind of adjust to that and say, okay. You're going to double Wick on the outside. You're going to load up against Coley in the run. So we'll run, you know, we'll run Ashton Cook, you know, right. on, on, you know, some option stuff and we'll throw to the other receivers. And once Regina did that, that's when it started to take off.
2: Right. And, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Wobsy. I wanted to ask you about this because, you know, I, we had a story. Um, Pat Hardy was there, a story on your prep sports and read his story and followed the game um, as much as I could from my game you know, as people were tweeting about it and everything, but it seemed a little bit, I remember, I thought I jinxed West High a couple weeks ago, talking to Craig Hugel at cross country. I was like, you know, they haven't turned it over. And and he he made the comment. He's like, you know, you want to keep winning. You want to get to the dome. You want to go sooner or later, you're going to have to win one of those games where you don't, I don't even want to say you don't play very well, but where you don't get some of those bounces. Yeah. You have turnovers or whatever. And that's what obviously really good teams are able to do is win some of those games. When you maybe lose the turnover margin, you don't let, some of those things turn into losses, you know, and because Regina, I wrote it down. Regina outgained him four seventy-five to two hundred nine, which again, not not, I know there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, Wapsie Valley had a long kickoff return that turned into a touchdown, and you're going to take touchdowns anyway you can get them. But that's that's seventy-five yards that don't show up on the sheet that just you know that aren't total offensive yards. But mm-hmm. uh, and I think they had another either return or a short field on a on a turnover or something, but. I think Regina had a, you know, at least they have one or two turnovers, Rob. And I don't know if Wapsie Valley turned it over. Um, this is kind of one of those the, games where the one turnover
0: was a little sketchy. It was a
2: the, uh, the catch and fumble.
0: Yeah, that one. I I went and people can see it on the rapid replay on, on the site, and I could see. It was. T- it's a tough bang bang play for the officials, but I didn't think he had possession for it to be a fumble. But
2: but that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're going to have one of those in a game yeah. at some point. You know and when, and when you get those in a game and you're up twenty eight zero it's like okay, you know when you can just overpower somebody mm-hmm. but you have a really good opponent here we, we thought Wapsie Valley was a good opponent, and then you're gonna have another good opponent next week and you're gonna have another good opponent the next week and it it's, it sounds so cliched, but to win a state championship or to you know to even to put yourself in that situation you're gonna have you're not going to play your best game three games in a row or you're not going to play a game where you where you're totally clean you're not going to have a, you know the odds are very low that you're going to go, you know, three or four games. And you can even go back to the, to the round before, you know, against Al You're You're very rarely going to have four straight games uh, to win one of these um, where you don't turn it over, you know. And if you turn it over, if a, those turnovers come, you know, a couple times at once, can you, can you still win that game? And I give Regina a ton of credit. and that's, They've done that so well in the past. You know, they've had – I had a lot of people that were like, oh man you know it's just become that thing around the eastern side of the state where whenever you hear in a regina score announced in another game or you see it come across or whatever it's always like if they're losing it's like every we talked about this at the start you know they lose to pleasant valley and everybody's like what's wrong with regina well you look now pleasant valley still hasn't lost they're playing mm-hmm. you know they're playing in the foray for, you're like they're they're fine it was the same thing for years with Xavier or Solon or whoever they played, but mm-hmm. you hear that kind of like if Regina's losing, everyone knows about them. They've had so much success that people are like, oh. And so you see that score and it's 32-27 and people are like, what happened? Like Regina almost lost. What's so impressive is they've got – they've had really good games in, in you know before the Unidome multiple times. They had a great one with um, Pella Christian a few years back. It was like a 45-43 game. They had – they needed to missed extra point one year against South Wynn, I think, that was one of those years they went to the Dome and and they ended up winning that game in overtime, I believe. So they've had some really good games against really good teams in these rounds, and you kind of forget about that because you're just like, oh, they're always at the Dome, they always win. But that's a huge credit to Regina. They're getting – people say this all the time. They are getting everyone's best shot. You mentioned it. Wapsie Valley kind of had – they had a plan. They put a lot into that game. You know what you're getting as an opponent. When you come to Regina, you know you're playing a championship program. You're going to give it your best. You're going to throw – if you've got a, a play that you've been saving all year, you're probably going to run it. I mean, they're going to get everybody's best shot.
0: Um, I everybody's say, excited to play them. For Wapsie Valley, great crowd support. I mean, they probably – That's had, awesome. They probably had equal amount of fans as Regina. And, I mean, because they were stretched all the way across that – I don't know, I guess it would be the south end zone, all the way almost around to that south end zone, and then the stands were packed, and you could hear them throughout the game. It was it was a great environment. It was on both sides. I was
2: going to say, Regina, I probably don't give Regina enough credit. Their their field in that game on a, on a really – that field and that uh, atmosphere on a really good – when they have a really good game. Because I, I mentioned a couple of them. That Pella Christian game a few years ago I was at was incredible. I was there for several, you know – Regina's soul games early in the season. That were, I mean, it's a really cool place to watch a game because um, people come out and watch it. You know, and it's it is it, it it's it had. I've been at Regina for some great atmosphere games. I'll say that it sounds like this was another one. So that's yeah, very the check
0: cool. With, the check with me offense was driving the Wapsie fans nuts. Man, they were screaming. <laughs> they were screaming the whole game that, that it was bugging them. So I I was chuckling <laughs> at that.
2: Um, no, they. I I was just going to say, they've been so good um, offensively. And one thing I wanted to point out going forward, because now they play a team that's really, really, really run heavy, Rob, um, in St. Ansgar. And we'll get more into that later. But Regina ran 67 plays to 37 uh, for WAPS. And, again, there's things that can skew that, like the kickoff returns and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that's something – as good as they've been on offense, they still have that ability – to kind of is in, you know, they average seven over seven yards of play. And you look at all those numbers that you look at in an explosive offense, an offense that throws the ball well, gets chunk plays, which they do. But they've been really good, as I go back and look throughout the season, they've been really good about controlling the ball, too. Um, and that's something that's going to be interesting in this semifinal game because St. Ansgar really wants to play that type of a game. Um, so I just thought I'd point that out. I mean, when you run 30 more plays than your opponent, and, and Regina was fairly balanced, 44 run, 23 pass. So uh, just something that I thought was interesting. They ran that many more plays in a game, you know, that's, that's uh, decided by five points. You know, and Regina needed a late, a late drive to, to win it. So just kind of a stat that, that I'm going to be – after seeing that, I'm going to be keeping an eye on that, you know, throughout these uh, next hopefully two games at the Unidome. Uh, as they play two teams that I, that I'm guessing, or at least one team, but but even potentially two teams that I'm guessing really want to try to control the ball uh, and keep the ball away from Regina, so something to keep an eye on a little bit.
0: Yeah, we'll preview that game on Wednesday. We'll have a shorter podcast on Wednesday. We'll just have the one game and maybe look a little bit at the state swimming as well. Um, let's stick. Let's wrap up with City High Ryan, seeing as we're on the football train here. Um, long time. City High coach, uh, longtime assistant, then head coach, Dan Sabres, announced he was uh, calling it a career, um, and, and a distinguished one at that. About a week and a half ago, uh, that announcement came down. Uh, just, yeah, I mean, I, I I remember talking to Dan when I first got here in 97, when he was uh, defensive coordinator for Larry Brown. Those teams were just really, really good, and that was when city and West were playing at a really super, super high level every year. Um, yeah. It's kind of like what central Iowa is now. Eastern Iowa was back then with city West Bettendorf. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, I, he's touched a lot of, he's touched a lot of lives without question beyond just the football.
2: Yeah. I mean, you should, where I should mention, um, you know, city High's the last Eastern Iowa team to win a four a title. Um, in 2009, which is kind of crazy. And that was yeah. obviously Coach Saber's team. But I I, I, I thought of this, uh, and I've thought about it a lot over the last, you know, since I, since I heard the news. But I, I felt bad. I, I should apologize. Um, we just, on the pod last week, it, it just, we had a story on it. Um, you know, the news came out the day that I was at State Cross Country uh, and then was trying to get back for a football game. So we had a story up, um, obviously, about it. I got that done. Um, and so we had it out there and, and just kind of, you know, hopefully, you know, people were able to celebrate a little bit, an amazing career for, for Coach Savers. But I felt bad that we hadn't, you know, we didn't discuss it on the pod. Uh, just it, it, truthfully, it kind of slipped by, you know, as we had, as you mentioned, we had all those things going on. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to take just a minute to, you know, to mention it on here this week, but, um, All of this was in my story uh, and people have probably seen it. It was in the release that city high sent out, but just a couple, couple things, 40 years, Rob, 20 as a D coordinator, 20 as a head coach. Um, And and what's really interesting is, and I I don't have the exact dates or, you know, years on this, but city high has had four football coaches since like the sixties and city high people feel free to correct me on this, but you go, um, you know, coach Sabres, um, back to, back to you know, Larry Brown, who was, he was an assistant for for a long time. Um, and then Frank Bates, who the field is named after, all the way back to, to Clyde Bean. So it's a long time that there's been four guys uh, calling the shots at City High Football, and that's, that's pretty impressive. But uh, Coach Sabres, a part of 298 wins um, as, a, as an assistant and head coach um 140 wins as a head coach coached in seven state championship games won four state titles including like i said that one in 2009 10 state semifinal games four as a head coach in 2001 2004 2009 and 2010 um 19 quarterfinals eight as a head coach 47 playoff wins um in those 40 years 23 as a head coach um it's just, you look at all this stuff, it's just amazing. Um, you know, city high won 33 straight conference games back when, you know, foray was conference football from 2002 from 2007 to 2011, 14 times, um, either MVC or district coaching staff of the year. And, um, coach Sabers was always, you know, you mentioned, talked to him when you started, he was always great to work with for me. Um, I always really enjoyed going over and talking to coach. Um, I'll miss that as he's, you know, not around, not coaching next year. He intends to continue teaching is the way I understand it. But math teacher, always, what's that? The math teacher, right? Do
0: I have that right?
2: I'm not positive, actually.
0: He is a math teacher. I, I should know that, that. But,
2: but he uh, always super generous with his time for me and, and really good to work with and would always have all the time for me to ask, as I said, like, I'm no football expert and, and he was patient with me. And, um, you know, this Rob, he was just a really fun guy to talk to about football. Um, you know, win or lose, win or lose. He was really gracious with his time would always would always make time to talk to you. And I just, I, I would smile a lot because I mean, you've interviewed Dan, you've talked to Dan many times and coach was just always, you know, he had, a, Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Or one of those, Types of quotes. Oh boy, I tell you what, you know, just kind of oh, geez, Ryan, they're good, or you know, just whatever it was, and he he just made the me smile. Was,
0: the voice was usually gone by game's end. Oh, oh
2: my gosh, yeah, it, but that's where I was going. My my two favorite things about Coach were or are, you know, um, I just the passion that he had for it that, that came out, like you said, like when you talk to him after a game, win or lose, um, you you. You felt the passion that he had for the sport, the kids he coached in the school that he was at in this day and age. It's just, you know, that's I don't, I don't want to say it's rare, but he just had such a passion for those three things. He's such a passion for City High. I don't know if you can go to a City High sporting event of any kind and not see Coach Sabres. Volleyball games, basketball games. He's always up in his spot. And I mean, he's there all the time. He has such a passion for the kids at the school city high itself. And, and then, and then coaching that that comes across to, to somebody like me when I talk to him. And then I, I always loved going over and co- talking to coach um, the week of the West high game, the week of the boot game. And, and the reason was, you know, in all these rivalries and things get caught up and, and sometimes it's for the bad reasons, you know, the, or, you know, the, the less than great reasons that, rival, that people like rivalries, right. Um, you know, they win and they want to rub it in the face of somebody or whatever. And I just, I love that talking to coach that week because I got the sense from him and, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not trying to speak for coach, but just that he just, he liked the fact that football and, and that week and the, the pageantry of high school football that week, you know, and that it was kind of center stage. And, and just the game, it wasn't so much about beating a rival or beating West, but it was just the preparation um, that went into that week and, and the focus of his kids and, everything that went on at school that week and how big of a deal it was and he just because he loved the sport right and it was like that week was always kind of a around here you know this I mean you saw it when it was at its peak you know for in the last couple of decades and just always really liked that week in that game and it was always super fun talking to him about that game and what that game meant to the school and like I said he had such has such a passion has such a passion for city high and the school and the kids and uh, I'll miss sitting in coach's classroom, talk to him about football. That's for sure. Uh, like I said, always super gracious to me with his time. And, and again, just an incredible, incredible career, um, for 40 years. I mean, that's, I got more than 20 years of doing this to, to catch up to that. And I mean, you do anything for 40 years, Rob, um, that's pretty incredible. So kudos to coach. And I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure, you will continue to see coaching in in the gym and, you know, around city high at all these things, but I will definitely miss talking to him uh, before and after football games. That's for sure.
0: Yep. It was never about Dan. It was always about the kids. And that's, that's what you want to have in somebody, you know, because the football like college, same in high school, football is normally the front porch. That's the, you know, the, 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 the big sport. And uh, as you said, he supported not only his kids, but all the kids that were in the school. Um, and I hope he enjoys it. I hope he enjoys. Sometimes you, you worry that guys when they, when they step away, will have, um, and I think to a degree, you're always going to have somewhat of an emptiness there, a void, but hopefully, you know, with his kids and his wife and he'll be able to enjoy it and, and yeah. be able to exhale a little bit and uh, enjoy some more free time.
2: Yeah. I'm sure those first couple Friday nights are going to be a little bit, <laughs> I'm sure, a little bit odd, I'm but sure but
0: he'll be out at Bates field.
2: Yes. Yeah. I mean, again, I, such a passion for city high, and like you said, in all the kids, um, you've not seen the last of him. I'm sure at, at Bates field.
0: Let's um, let's move over to a, a, another uh, tremendous story. Uh, we were uh, you were up there for all three matches last week. I was up there for two, and up there uh, by up there I mean uh, Cedar Rapids at the uh, Alliant Explosion Arena or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Liberty High Volleyball, Ryan. They they uh, made it all the way to the state championship game match. Uh, we talked about this last Wednesday, I guess. Um, uh, they, they played uh, Thursday morning in the championship right. up there. Uh, great story. Ran up against a buzzsaw. Lost in four sets to Ankeny. And that, man, that Ankeny team, whoo, especially yeah. on the outside. The hitters were just, not only that, Ryan, not only were the hitters tremendous in hitting, but blocking. Yeah, that I yep. thought was a huge key in that championship match.
2: Absolutely. And and the Liberty kids all mentioned that. Um, I mean, two, like each one of them mentioned that. Um, and, and then, you know, I think coach, I think Randy Dolson, coach Dolson said it really well. Um, you know, so often when, when you lose in fans or, or parents or whatever, it's like you, you get caught up a little bit in what we could have done mm-hmm. or, or what, you know, what we didn't do well, I guess. And that's that's just kind of the natural thing, right? Whether you're a fan and your team loses, or, you know, for me as a media person, when I cover uh, something and I cover one team and I don't cover the other team, it's like, you know, what what didn't my team do as well? Especially Liberty's playing at such a high rate or how, such a high level. You beat Dowling, number one team, you beat Valley, you know, who both teams that had, had beat you early in the season. And so it's kind of natural. And know, Coach Dolson talking to another media member, you know, they asked you know if there's anything he would do differently and he was just like I mean, no, you know, I mean, he's like, the difference really was Ankeny and it, you know, we've just talked about tipping your cap to walk on and tipping your cap to Pleasant Valley. I mean, man, I, I don't, I don't know enough because I haven't watched them enough, Rob, to say whether they were better than what they normally are, anything like that. But they were really impressive. Um, They're setter, man. Uh, I think it's pronounced Fiona Schrader. I'm not, don't kill me, any people, if you listen to this. Because I'm trying to give her – I mean, as impressive I'm as a player. She's going to Notre Dame. As impressive as a player as I've seen all year. 6-1. Yeah. Her ability to, to set – to get the ball to – get the ball to anywhere on the court from unconventional places. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of long rallies um, in that match, as there always are in good – between good volleyball teams. there's a lot of long rallies in that Dowling game, a lot of long rallies in that Dowling match with Liberty. And you get into those and you watch volleyball, Rob, sometimes it becomes you're, you're out of system a little bit and you're just – when the setter gets there, it's like every set's going to the same spot. You know, because they're on one side of the court and they, they can't – you know, they can only get it to one, maybe two people. And, man, she was able to get the ball to any hitter at any time as well as anybody I've seen in years. Um, and then, you know, in, in – Coach Dolson mentioned this, when they didn't have a perfect pass, there were several times where the ball's on the net or right there, and she was able – several times with just one hand, you know, the way you see people have to bump set or just kind of – and she was still able to produce hittable balls for hitters. You know, I mean, for hitters that they could swing on, not tip, um, you know, not push across, but she was incredible. And then it's six one. That really and, – and she – I spoke with her afterwards. She was a great quote. Seemed like a really good kid um, and really gave an insightful answer when I asked about their plan, you know, how they wanted to do it. But they wanted to use her and one of their other players um, to block the edge basically against Hartman, against Cassidy Hartman. And, you know, when you have a 6-1 setter, that allows you to kind of do some different things with your block. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they gave them some trouble, especially early – uh, with their size, like you mentioned in their block and and um they were they were really good, and liberty got better as that match went on. I thought won the third set um and played pretty well in the fourth set, and then allowed allowed something that they hadn't done really all tournament, which was a really long run. uh They gave up six or seven in a row and i, I we talked about it with football. I just felt like they had put so much energy into into coming back. they played from behind a lot. Um, and put a lot of energy into getting that third set, and then they just kind of, you know, I, I'm not gonna say they ran out of gas, but they they allowed a, a long run, and they had been phenomenal against two really good teams in the first two rounds, about not allowing the other team to get more than three points in a row um, against really good teams, and they, and they kind of let one of the goes go at an inopportune time, and and uh, Ankeny took advantage and, and won that fourth, uh, um, you know. Not to overstate. So I was really impressed by Ankeny I'm on that. They, they absolutely deserved it that day. I didn't watch a point of them the first two rounds, Rob. Um, but man, they were that's really a, good on Saturday. That's on, on a good Thursday.
0: team. Good team that played well. That's Yes. That's, you're
2: exactly right. And I was, I came home and my wife was asking about it. She, she really enjoys volleyball and she had it up on her computer at work. And we were talking about it a little bit and I said, man, if they were playing that, a four-team tournament Saturday, you know, winners play basically a you know like a plus one type deal, and it was seated anyway. But it was Dowling, Liberty, Pleasant Valley, and that Ankeny team, and it was ten bucks to get in. I would, I'd go, take my daughter. And I mean, I really would. Like, I'd go watch that. Like those, I didn't watch any of that Pleasant Valley Ankeny. It was on the opposite set um, or opposite court, excuse me. Uh, but that was a five-setter, uh, and Pleasant Valley had one uh, one loss on the year, I think, and, so you throw those four teams in and play that thing the next two or three Saturdays, like I'd, I'd probably go every time. Um, just some really, really good volleyball. And we talked about that, but it, it really can't be overstated uh, what Liberty's done in four years, Rob. And, and I really mean that. I mean, Ankeny Centennial, this was the first championship Ankeny had won uh, since 09. So the first one they'd won since the school split and Ankeny had had, Ankeny excuse me, had split off and had some success. They've won several, been in several championships. But to get that program going the way that they've had and, and get kids bought in and, and, you know, they all mentioned this. The, the players, Cassidy Hartman, Addie Schmier, Haley Hested, uh, Sam Harvey, I interviewed all of them at one point this week. They all mentioned the chemistry on this team is, was better than any team they'd ever been on. All about we, you know, never about individual stuff. Um, you know, Coach Dolson mentioned that multiple times. It was it was as good a chemistry, and he's been coaching for you know 30 some years or whatever it is. I'm hopefully I'm not way he's been coaching for a long time. <laughs> I do not make Randy sound older than what he is, but he's been doing this for a long, long time and had some really good teams, state tournament teams. Um, and he, he mentioned it being up there with one of the you know most enjoyable teams chemistry-wise that he's ever had. And you could see that. Uh, they played for each other. But to be able to do that in four years, put that kind of culture together. Uh, and I know that's a buzzword, but you don't always get that, you know, and especially on a team. I mean, they have a lot of kids that fighting for, for swings and kills and playing time and they play a lot of kids. And, and I think, I mean, you know, they, they, they run a six two, so they have two setters and all the things that they've had to mix in the last two years. And I think they're 34 and three last year and they end up 24 and three this year. I mean, you add those records together and, Two state tournaments and a, a runner-up, and then and I tweeted this afterwards, and you know, the season ends and you 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 know you look at it and really quick and you throw something out there, but I mean, I I've covered enough sports to know disclaimer how hard it is to get to a championship, you know, yep. injuries and and weird things happen and all this stuff and and not only that like I have no idea what's coming up for some of these other teams, you know, or or you know young kids or joining the program or anything like that and things have to go right you look at you know liberty had to win a five-setter on on wednesday to get there you know and could have some other points gone the other way sure it's extremely hard in any sport to get to a championship but man when you look at what liberty has coming back rob i mean cassidy hartman was just electric in that state tournament and all year but man she was so good all three of those matches probably could have made a strong case for her being captain of the 5A tournament team, which she was on along with Addie Schmier. But I, I, I wouldn't say that you could take it away from the Schrader girl. Like I told you, she was phenomenal. She was the captain, but you could obviously make a strong case for Cassidy. They bring back, they had a freshman center this year, Mariah Rollins. She was great. It stayed in all three matches. Um, Shelby Kim was had her best match that I've seen her have maybe all year in that state championship match as they worked hard to take away to take away Hartman. She was excellent. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Sam Harvey's a junior. Um, you know, they lose another senior in Lauren Roman who was really good for them, uh, in the middle, but they just, they have so much coming back, Rob. And I'm forgetting kids too, obviously, but they only really played those three seniors. Um, and, and I know that they had kids fighting to get on the court early in the season as well. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them. In fact, when you look at what Ankeny brings back, they they obviously have a hole at center, but they could be back in this spot next year too. They bring a lot of those kids back that you mentioned as hitters. So really exciting time for Liberty volleyball. Um, it really is. I I'm I mean you never you never get ahead of yourself, but we could have a couple more weeks where we're headed to cedar rapids you know multiple days here in the next couple years because they have that type of talent that type of coaching staff and like i said the the key this year was just if they can continue to kind of bottle up that that team chemistry and things they had uh, and, and the kids are so important to that you know when you have kids that buy in and do things the right way so that culture continues to remain that strong they're going to be really fun to watch for for multiple years um their state championship caliber team going. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if they were number one to start, to start next season. Uh, again, without looking too deeply at what everybody else brings back. Ankeny brings back a ton too. And, and you know, West Moyne Valley brings back Hayden Kubik, who's, who's good. an incredible talent. So it'll be fun again next year. A lot of the usual suspects I'm getting, and, you know, Pleasant Valley brings back their setter, Cora Ruff, who's exceptional as well. So she's a junior. So that'll be good again too. So be fun to watch.
0: Yes. Wonderful, impressive run by Liberty Volleyball and the future look, looks bright up there in North Liberty and look forward to seeing what that that uh, program can do in the future. Ryan, we only hit on five of the nations this week, West Branch and Clear Creek. Amanda, we have not forgotten about you, but um, we're waiting for your winter sports and we will... Uh, any, any news or, or items on that we will on from your schools we will hit going forward here we certainly don't want you to think that we're forgetting about you well uh we got to talk Rob and I haven't talked we'll we'll do some sort of because we'll probably have a
2: little bit of a break at some point you know in in November as we wait for winter sports but we'll have some kind of a preview pod where we take a look at those teams a little bit and uh, it's funny that you say that because two – coach i've, I've Sent out my stuff for – sent out my info sheets for preseason for wrestling and bowling and boys swimming, which goes, you know, in the, in the winter and, and boys and girls basketball. And uh, Coach Kern from West Branch, boys basketball coach, and Coach Sweeney from Clear Creek, Amanda. Uh, <laughs> two of the first three to get back to me. So, guys, we'll, we'll, we'll make – I'll make sure because I'll reward you. You get a gold star. <laughs> and and I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the you weren't the first that was that honor goes to Mr. Bill McTaggart City High Girls Basketball Coach. I'm not McTaggart. surprised at all by yep. that. Yep. <laughs> nope, coach McTaggart got back to me first, so thanks, Coach. But you other guys, I'll well, make sure gold stars for getting those back. We'll make sure that we hit you early on in that preview podcast. And. I should mention it all joking West brand coach Kern's done a great job. They're going to have a really good boys basketball team. Again, they were very good last year. Um, and then clear Creek, both boys and girls made it to state last year. So coach Sweeney kind of had a breakthrough last season. He brings back some good players. So um, I've already opened those. I've already looked at them and I'm, I'm, I will be really excited to get into winter sports in like a week after we get done with football and after we get through football and swimming and uh, I raked the yard and, my wife stops yelling at me about all the stuff that needs to be done before it starts snowing again.
0: You see, folks, listeners, that was that was a veteran <laughs> move by Ryan by dropping at the coaches that had returned their forms yeah. ready to kind of like a bat signal for the coaches who have not yet returned the forms to do so.
2: Look, everyone's busy, and I mean this, and I send out reminders and everything, but – it really, Rob. Thank you, coaches. If you do listen to this, we do use them. I'm not just, I'm not just sending that out to you to to create more busy work. It's not the, it's not the homework assignments that I used to get that I had to copy stuff out of the textbooks or whatever. <laughs> Hopefully, they don't do that anymore. But they, do, we do use them. They help. If nothing else, um, maybe it gives me the best way to get a hold of you um, so that I can get a hold of you if I need to. But um, it's tedious work, but you only have to do it once and, and you can get a shot out on the, on the seven nation pod. If you, if you send them back. So
0: I have, we rolling now. I have full confidence that everybody in this, in the seven nations will be, um, will do their, will do their duty and get those forms into Ryan. So we don't have to call you out on this podcast. <laughs> no, well, we, we need wouldn't to get
2: some, that. we, need, we need to get some sort of a prize. Um, going forward for like coach McTaggart would have been more than happy to accept his prize this year. I'm sure. So we need to get some (laughs) sort of prize that we get for the first person to, to get back to me. Um, That's, that's something we'll have to work on, Rob. Um, Something more valuable than just, than just a kudos from me and you.
0: We we'll look forward to those forms coming in, and then getting a chance to preview the winter sports. We'll have that coming up here in the uh, next few weeks. But we still have Wednesday. We will be back to preview the Regina St. Ansgar football game and a little swimming as well um, to get you ready yep. for the
2: weekend. Yep, I'm and I, I, swimming. We're we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk swimming. Um, I don't know a ton about swimming. I can't swim. True story. Don't like swimming. Neither can my wife. But. My kids make it, I No, I'm just – I'm like a shallow end. I'm like a hot tub slash shallow end guy. But, <laughs>
0: um,
2: no, we have – in all seriousness, we'll talk about that. I was over at Linmar for regional swimming um, state qualifier on Saturday. If if you're into swimming, you already know this. Iowa City has two of – and really three of the best swimmers in the state. Aurora, Rogue Hair, um, and Scarlett Martin from West High are incredible. I mean – they're not allowing fans at state. They didn't allow fans on Saturday. I, I understand that. That's probably a smart move. Um, they had a stream of it. 9.2 did it. I'm, I'm assuming they'll do something for state. If you have younger kids that, that are into swimming, you know, they do the club swimming. Even if you don't watch these girls, they, I mean, they truly are like generational talents, Rob. I mean, Aurora is going to Stanford Scarlett's going to Florida. You don't just roll up and go to those two places to no. swim. I mean, these, these are, and they're both exceptional kids they they were so you know so excited to talk to me on saturday really thoughtful kids um but they west high is a state title contender uh, they were fourth last year um you know i'm pro- coach butler's probably byron butler's gonna be ups- not upset with me but i know he was trying to kind of damper that a little bit um their kids are excited about it. they think they can be in that mix um and i think they can too they're really talented they have some good freshmen and then heidi Stalkfleet from city high is a is a really good swimmer in her own right i mean really she'll you know is going to be a state medalist type type contender it's like she lost the um lost the 500 free um by like eight seconds to aurora and whatever it was um in a really good race and then you realize that you know aurora rogue hair setting a pool record and you know swimming a better time than anybody in the state so it's like um, she mentioned, Aurora mentioned to me, you know, how excited she was to swim that against her new knowing that she was going to swim it against her on Saturday because of how good competition she is. So city West and, um, and like I mentioned, some Liberty girls that swim for city all be represented on Saturday. We'll talk more about it, uh, when I get a little bit further into that, but we're going to have, we're going to have medalists for sure from, from Iowa city area. And that's, that's exciting. I don't want to leave out the swimmers because we do have, I mean, we have, not just some of the best swimmers in the state, but some of the best swimmers, you know, anywhere around here, incredible athletes that, that should be recognized for what they've done. Cause they are, I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was a really fun, um, you know, after a long day on Saturday and football and the hectic, the hecticness of it, it was fun. Um, swimming's fun to watch um, the way the teammates and, and coaches rally around those kids that are in the pool. So I, I had a good time uh, covering that on Saturday.
0: And don't throw Ryan in the pool. He can't swim. No,
2: I cannot. I really can't. That's, that's true. Like
0: I said, I believe it. My wife can't swim either, but we will talk swimming on Wednesday. Look forward to getting into that a little bit more. Looking forward to really breaking down that Regina St. Ansgar game, which will be played Friday, 9am up at the Uni Dome in Cedar Falls. But let's put a bow on this one for this edition of the seven nation podcast. I am Rob Howe. Say goodbye, Ryan.
2: Bye, guys. Thank you.